0: You're listening to the Hyperfish Podcast with Jeremy Thake. Be sure to check out our three product, Hyperfish Lite, to make sure all your users in Office 365 have photos. Okay, so I'm here with Joanne Klein today. Thank you for jumping on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I know you've been, um, it's been a busy week for you guys and I put out that shout out on the uh, Twitter to be like, hey, has anyone got time for a podcast and lots of People kind of jumped back and was like, ah, schedules are packed. You guys have had a really good good week here at the MVP Summit.
1: Yeah, it's been great. Uh, My first MVP Summit. That's right. Congratulations as well. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm just uh, finishing up my first year as an MVP, so this is my first Summit. Didn't know what to expect, Uh, you know, other than lots of product um, uh, uh, sessions from the engineers. That was great. But also the networking aspect, uh, I touch base with a lot of uh, product members from Microsoft, uh, someone from the docs.microsoft.com team, which is great. Uh, Yeah. So it's been a a really fantastic week for me.
0: I remember my first one. I think my, if I remember back, it was just so bloody overwhelming Mm -hmm. seeing all these people that you've followed on blogs forever. And back then I was in Australia, so I wasn't at... SharePoint Saturdays in North America or in Europe, like we are in Perth and there was no one else there (laughs) but me and says, "I come on. So coming here and like being in a room of 300 people and going, holy shit, that's Todd Clint, was kind of really overwhelming. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was, which I had had a beer with Todd Clint actually, so that was awesome. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and... uh, They're normal human beings, people. Yeah, for sure. And I come from a small community myself, so... When I come to an event like this, it's really uh, an opportunity for me to meet with other people that are in my exact kind of slice of Office 365, which is pretty helpful for me.
0: Yeah, it's, um, I mean, obviously the social a- aspects has made this a lot easier than if you were an MVP back in 2004, 2005. Um, because everyone's got a Twitter handle and
1: mm-hmm.
0: pictures and have profile photos and LinkedIn right. and so forth. Like it's easier to like kind of recognize people when you see them.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, but it is like when you step outside of our world of IT, this is unusual. <laughs> like This is not a normal thing for people to do.
1: No, it's, it's really hard to describe to people that aren't in it, uh, but it's, it's a, a fantastic community for uh, not only professional growth, but for, you know, I've met a lot of friends. Yeah. Um, in the community as well now. Yeah. And they'll remain friends for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so um, how did you get into this space? How did you get into technology and Office 365? Like what led you here?
1: Uh, I've been in technology for a while now, uh, for about two decades actually. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I started off as a developer many years ago. Yeah. Um, and I was introduced to SharePoint just over a decade ago. Uh, it fell on my lap um, and did some development in there and as well moved into the IT pro role. So yeah. that was all on-prem at the time. So I installed, patched SharePoint server 2007, 2010, 2013. I had not done 2016 yet, but had that background. Um, worked a lot as well. Wore many hats. So worked in information management, information architecture, architecture, um, th- that kind of space. And I got quite a bit of experience in there, did some very large migrations, worked through some challenging scenarios, um, and then I uh, branched out and wanted to become independent. So, I own my own consulting company now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, and I work with clients now, in mostly in, um, still focusing on SharePoint, but in uh, online mostly, so on Office 365.
0: So what region are you in for that? Because I just heard you say out, and it wasn't how I'd expect it to be (laughs) said.
1: I'm from uh, one of the cold Western Canadian prairie provinces, Saskatchewan. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, yes. (laughs) that's cool. That and sorry. Apparently I say that a, a way that people find humorous. Out. Oot. It's not oot. oot, I think I say out.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I get teased for my weird hybrid accent all the time, so yeah. it's so often interesting. Like, oh, for, well, I didn't notice that before. Um, and so, yeah, I guess so you've kind of done a dev journey, the IT pro journey, and now the cloud journey kind of makes mm-hmm. things very different as a consultant. Um, I kind of switched out from being a consultant when I left Australia into products, so I never really kind of experienced the whole cloud thing. I was always like this on-prem developer. How have you found the discussions change with the customers going from kind of, I guess, having just SharePoint to now mm. having this huge Office 365 <laughs> offering that they can kind of pick from and, and they pay for?
1: Um, it's, it's a good, I think it's seen as a good thing, but um, it's overwhelming, I yeah. think, for the majority of customers that I work with. Um, it, it's a smorgasbord of options in front of them. And depending on the organization and, um, you know, how um, uh, kind of loose they are, how formal they are or not, it really kind of depends how they uh, step into it. Mm-hmm. So I'm working, my main contract right now is for um, a, a organization of about 2,000 people, fairly highly regulated, um, but want all the goodness that Office 365 of offers. Yep. Yes, So uh, it's been a really interesting contract to try to bridge that gap between yeah, yeah everybody wants to use teams and uh, groups and planner and etc um, oh but by the way we can't just uh, delete content willy-nilly we yeah. we have some you know regula- regulatory requirements we need to um, meet so it's it's been a really good learning opportunity for me yeah um, and uh, yeah yeah uh, I think bringing organizations along on that journey because I don't have all of the answers either. Right, and I don't think anybody does. Nobody does. Right. And uh, the offerings are changing a lot right now as well. Yeah. So, I mean every month the Azure Information Protection team has out puts out another blog for what happened in the last month and you need to stay on top of that mm-hmm. because it's it changes the um, data protection story for content in Office 365.
0: So with that particular customer, do you find you've got like one camp of the business that's kind of like, let's turn it all on and they're amped because they're reading all the Office blogs and they may be following a few community people that are blogging about features and then there's another camp which is kind of like that, you shall not pass and they're like kind of putting their staff in the ground and yes. not wanting it to switch on. Y-
1: yes, and I think that's likely typical of a lot of organizations um you know on the on the one hand is the um, productivity and collaboration people that are saying, yes, this is, this is all good. We want this. And, mm-hmm. and the business by and large wants it too. Yeah. They need a bit of guidance, but yeah, they want all of this stuff. They're, they're already doing it um, in some cases using other tools. Slack is a great example, Dropbox, etc. cetera. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum is the information management teams. And uh, this this is way, way beyond what they're normally used to. And uh, what I've seen is initially they just want to put on the brakes and, no, we're not going there. Mm -hmm. But um, that's not a position that they can realistically take anymore. Um, So they're, I think, coming to the realization that, okay, we're here. We have to figure out how can we make this work, um, still meeting our regulatory requirements. And can we? Yeah, so that's where I fit in.
0: And then I guess the nice thing with Slack and Dropbox and versus Teams and OneDrive and you know doing that versus versus is that you know these standalone Chat IOT kind of driven initiatives, um, you know potentially can be switched off and if they're already purchased Office 365, there are equivalents there but I th- I'm guessing your conversation with him is like there's a compliance that kind of overlays all of the suites in Office 365 and here's what the standards that it meets, for instance.
1: Right. Um, I Yes, and I work on a team uh, where we're always trying, like the information management team might come to us with a scenario that we need to protect for. So um, I work on a team of... Um, Two or three of us that kind of focus on those areas. Mm -hmm. Cloud app security is one. That's speaking uh, to the um, Dropbox scenario. So there are controls you can put in place. If, if, uh, you know, you have staff in your organization that are using Dropbox, maybe you want to... um, Uh, control um, some of the, like through AIP, you can control files that are labeled with AIP in cloud app security. What's AIP? Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, that's good. That's what this podcast is for. is (laughs) Azure Information Protection. Right, okay. And it's very important in this cloud world that we live in. And the reason it is, is because... It is protection that stays with the document. So it doesn't matter where that document is. It could be on a file server or in a SharePoint online document library or in Dropbox. Mm -hmm. And uh, it can be protected um, and you can have all kinds of security controls on that.
0: So is this kind of like the progression of where information rights management used to be? And was this hugely overwhelming, too hard to set up? thing that right. no one really did even though it was super cool. And right,
1: yeah. So the control aspect that that, the protection aspect that that was um, um, solving before is now done with uh, rights management services. Right, and so they're
0: doing it at the Azure level because right. of the identity aspect of the rights Correct. management. yes.
1: It was yeah. interesting,
0: um, prior to joining Microsoft, uh, when I was at AftPoint actually we went out to see a customer that's in the, the gaming industry. It's a well-known thing that happened um, where they got hacked and it was actually SharePoint. And uh, the history goes is that IRM just kept getting put on the back burner, something needs mm. to roll out until a breach happened. And then it was just all like, how do we, what do we do? How do we find out where our data is and what needs to be IRM'd and what doesn't? And how do we get this all under control? Right. So do you find with your customers they are like proactively going, we need to do this. This is really important for us.
1: Before the breach happens, de- definitely. Yeah, okay. Yes. Um, There's been
0: enough scary stories now that people are like, so. Up.
1: Yeah, there, it, you can't wait because uh, it's. It's going to happen if you're not if you're not um putting those controls in place i I think it's only a matter of time um but that said it's no one said it was easy so there's lots of different ways you can configure and and control and protect your data um and they all kind of are coming at it from a different angle Mm -hmm. um and, and that is a it's kind of a missing piece in some organizations right now. Like you get into the cloud and and that's, I guess, one of the concerns that people have is, oh yeah, we're in the cloud now uh, as if, you know, magically, You know, it's not protected anymore, but right. it was before yeah. when it was on prem. Right. Which I don't it was think it's a is USB true. flash drive. It's fine. <laughs> right? No right. one's going to be able to get at the documents. Yeah. Then, right? So there are um, controls in place. You you can do if you have the wherewithal on your team to configure all of these. Um, it's it's a big job, but yeah, it's it's there for sure.
0: And I, I hate answering licensing questions, but I feel like mm-hmm. I need to ask this one: Is this something that every Office 365 customer can switch on and use, or is this in? Some kind of higher edition type license skew. I uh,
1: okay. I'm not going to say. I did, didn't want to say it depends, but um, I'm not a licensing expert, <laughs> and nor am
0: I. So just kind of the, the cliff notes.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I'm guessing they must give you some dabbling of it in. Like, they do in, in yeah. like
1: an, an E3 for sure. You can like turn on AIP right. and rights management services. However, uh, one of the features that I hear. Companies want is uh, the ability to auto classify. W- one of the big things about um, an information worker in the cloud world is they need to understand how to protect their data. It's a new skill people have to have. Mm-hmm. They have to be savvy on these things, and auto classification is a way of doing it for them, right, so they don't easier. have to. Yeah. yeah, but that requires um, an E five license. Yeah, sure. Um, which is, you know, more money, obviously. So that may or may not be an option for different organizations. But.
0: And, and so kind of what's your, you know, when they come in and go, we need this on, I mean, I'm imagining there's a lot of consulting that goes on to understand what their requirements are. Do you, what's your approach? Like, cause obviously I'm sure there's a bunch of bells and whistles and knobs and different things you can switch on in the administration console for this, but is it more a case of going through their requirements first to understand like, what they're trying to achieve rather than go, well, there's this feature. Do you want to turn this on? And, you know, you can turn this feature on. And it's going to give you this. Like it's, I, I imagine this is quite a complex thing to go through.
1: <laughs> it is complex. I, I would say start with your information management regulatory requirements. What, yeah. w- at a bare minimum, where do we need to be uh, to be compliant? And and yeah. we we may not hit all all of those p- points, mm-hmm. uh, but we just have to chip chip away at it. Um, I, I believe a sound approach is to, um, I'm going to flip over to retention now, which mm-hmm. is another huge thing in any kind of a regulated industry, um, you can have an overarching retention policy across your entire tenant. And to me, that seems, if, if you can come up with what that would be, that seems like an easy way to start. Right. So by and large, everything either falls in on, I'm just going to make up some numbers, one, three or five year bucket or permanent. Yeah, And then drill down into, okay, what are the top five, you know, unique things our organization needs to protect on, um, mm-hmm. contracts or, um, Whatever those things may be that are will not fall in those one three five permanent year buckets, yep. then let's start chipping away at it and um, define labels for those things.
0: Okay, so if they've got a document library somewhere and there's a mixture of policy documents and contracts and standard presentations, will the auto classifier help to kind of go, oh, that's a contract and label it, or is this really something that? Each team is going to be responsible going in and um, tacking these appropriately.
1: Um, As far as I understand, the capabilities of auto-classification now are on sensitive information types, first of all. Oh, right, okay, Uh, so it's more like
0: PII scanning and things. Right.
1: Uh, Or you can do some keyword searching.
0: Yeah, which is not always going to be...
1: Right. Um, So, you know, I, I would like to see something like, you know, Targeting contracts. Now, yeah. you, you can target a document library. Right. If everything in that document library was contracts, sure, right. you can do it at that level, um, but right now, that's kind of where that sits. So, there's lots and lots of planning that has to go into yeah. this. Yeah, this sounds scary if I think back to some of the
0: customs I worked on and what a mess they were in in mm-hmm. terms of document libraries, and yeah. no one used content types because no. it's just too hard, and the Nirvana dream of new document and having a document template that was the contract document. Right. Um, There was a lot of work, and it just never really seemed to to happen. So I think it's kind of like an organic approach that needs to happen with these
1: things. Yes, yeah. And this is where I think it's almost a new rule that's being born in Office 365, and that is a person that can speak information managers' languages, Mm -hmm. but knows how the tools in Office 365 can help them. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is, I mean, that's not an easy job to do. No, it isn't. Um, bridging those two worlds is tough. It's tricky, yeah. So some hypotheticals. I've got some contracts that have been labelled in a document library. The person moves away, there's no owner for the site, and there's a clean-up that goes on it deletes the site. If they were labelled appropriately, what's going to happen to those, those documents? Are they going to be somewhere they can be discoverable, or is the site going to be blocked from being deleted? Like...
1: Um, to be, I'm not sure if the site will be blocked from being deleted They will know that they will be kept. Uh, And as I understand it, it's in a a retention container. Um, So in the background, perhaps it's still kept in a site container. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure. But it it will be discoverable uh, through e-discovery. Oh, okay. Um,
0: So there's like, so that's kind of like the, for people being like in the space for a while, the... Old awful records center mm-hmm. that existed. Yeah, there's like this modern day one now that's in the administration console of Office 365. Right. Okay. Yeah. So every document that's labeled is going to end up in this place, no matter what happens with the life in on itself.
1: If, if, it, if it's under a retention schedule, right. like to be retained for five years or something. In, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's how I understand it. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting.
0: And is there? I'm, I'm assuming there's integration in Office to make this super easy. Um, for a user, they're not having to kind of create a document, upload it, and then go into SharePoint and do some stuff like that if they got to the stage yet where it, it's like kind of built in so it's easy to just kind of label it within Word or PowerPoint.
1: Um, this is probably a good time to talk about the word label because as you're asking that question I'm thinking, which label is he talking oh, about? Really? Because there is a Azure Information Protection label, yeah, and then a retention label. Oh, okay. Yeah, and um, it's confusing to say the least. Yeah, so right. um, there is, I think, just rolling out in preview is a new unified label. So those two labels are going to be coming Getting together. Merged. Okay, um, which will help. Um, So the Azure information protection label is built right into the office clients Mm -hmm. and is a protection bar. Right when you're editing the document, you can set the label or it can recommend a label Uh, based on what it senses or sees in the document. Mm -hmm. Um, A retention label can either be auto set based on where it is that you're. Putting this document, um, or it also shows up as a piece of metadata. Right when you're in your document and inf- document, and you open up that property pane on the right side of yeah, yeah, yeah. a doc modern document library, uh, you will see label as one of the options there. Oh, that's cool. a retention okay. label. So, so they're trying to
0: put it front and center a bit to make it easy for people to
1: right. Okay. Yes,
0: that's interesting because I know like well, I mean the IRM stuff was always a bit kind of clunky in terms of how that worked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The to the PCs that people are using, do they need to be like Windows 10 and domain joined, or can it just be like Office and I save? Like that seems like um, maybe it's a tough one to ask because there's some, certainly some issues around, you know, if I'm working on a document at home, how's it going to kind of force me? I guess if it's saving it in the document library, it's going to know, right?
1: Right. I think I'm not really strong in this area, but I mean if, if you're working uh, in, in a SharePoint um Uh, online document library um, then yeah then it will require you to put in an AIP label if you have it configured to do so Right. Um, I guess it's
0: like putting a required field on metadata in a document library it's the same kind of
1: scenario uh, yeah that's retention label you're talking about more but um, yeah I I think I'm trying to think if you can enforce a retention label um I'm not sure you can enforce a retention label be yeah. applied on a document, that's interesting. Yeah. So because, and I get thinking it through,
0: you're saying that the AIP label is essentially in the document itself because it moves <laughs> yes. no matter where the document goes. Right, so it's
1: stored in clear text, actually, as a property on the right. backstage of the document library.
0: So that's how they're intercepting. The if someone, like, grab that and try to save it into Dropbox, it's going to yeah. do some smart stuff to block that being yes. sent as an attachment
1: or yes. something. Yes, so DLP can read that. Yeah. Um, SharePoint search can read that. Mm -hmm. It's a property. Right, okay, that's cool. And so um,
0: with the way that kind of traditional records managers work with their retention policies, is it pretty safe to say that the way that they think and the years and the the records types and the metadata they collect, is their world, like, can it map to what AIPs come or has there been some decisions by microsoft that kind of make it harder for records managers to be like well this is how we used to do it with open text or trim hp trim or mm. documentum because mm-hmm. they were very i mean i've worked in that space for a bit a long time ago and man they were hard and fast on this is how we do it and i remember trying to do a project to move some people to sharepoint in 2007 it's just simply the project got killed because it just didn't meet the requirements of what open text had
1: Right, um, I'm. I'm not that familiar with o- Open Text myself. Yep. Although I work with a bunch of information managers who have worked with some of these third-party yeah, yeah tools, and uh, they I, I think desperately want uh, Microsoft solution to to do what it is that they were used to doing. Right, right. Doing. Um, so. I don't know. Feature by feature, I, there's likely still gaps there. Yeah. Um, however, Microsoft's uh, information protection solution is is just changing monthly, and they're adding new things. So, yeah. you know, is it is it on par right now? I, it likely is not. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I would argue that by leaving your content in in uh, Office 365 in SharePoint, um, there's so many other pluses to having it in there rather than I, I'm assuming these other tools you move them out. Into, right. That's into, it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or it's one way or the other. Like they start okay. in SharePoint, and then when they become a record, they move. They into move out. That. Yeah. But then. Co-authoring goes out the window, and right, um, um, all the jazzy stuff that you get in Office three sixty five. Right,
1: so that that would be my sell on yeah, it is, yeah. and and the the story's changing on the Office three sixty five side. So mm-hmm. one example I want to bring up is event driven retention. That's a very common requirement mm-hmm. I see from information management teams is uh, lots of retention is kicked off based on an event, an employee leaving the organization or a contract ending, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't there before. So now it's just, I, I'm not sure if it's in preview mode or uh, it's not GA yet. I don't think. Um, so, Microsoft has rolled out a, a version of event-driven retention. Yeah. Um, but it, the, way, the way it sits right now, um, it's, it will be a challenge for some organizations to use it in its current state. Yeah. Um, and that is because, um, let's pick an employee leaving, for instance. So when John Smith leaves Contoso, somebody will have to go in and add an event for John Smith leaving Contoso. So it's very granular and specific mm-hmm. and likely will be a problem for large organizations. Right, right. That's not to say, you know, you can, you know, maybe automate something sure. to add that event, uh, but that that's the implementation of that. Um, and I've done a little bit of testing on it. It seems to work quite well, Yeah, uh, but it it's just... And I don't know how these other third-party products would have implemented that. Right, right. Um, I, I sense it wouldn't be like that, but um, so it, it's just educating the information management team. Th- this is the way the tool works now yeah. and it may change over time. Um, that's the challenge. Yeah, yeah. Um, still moving forward. You yeah, know?
0: it's kind of interesting because it's kind of gone from this world where like go create a document drop it on my OneDrive and work on it whereas back then like working with some of those customers it was kind of like you have to fill out this 15 form mm-hmm. dialogue window to even start using a document because you've got to classify it and pick what folder it goes in the in the records management tree and again I'm probably using the wrong terminology here but yeah. um, the filings standards and so forth for that company and it used to be so overwhelming that half the time people had documents on their desktop because they like like, we'll get to putting it in right. here at some point. Yeah. And I think SharePoint was the other side, right? And that's where it became popular in these organizations was because it's like, this is great, trucking in SharePoint. So what if it's not classified at least? It's kind of backed up somewhere.
1: Right. Um, I agree. We, we don't want to... It, it's a, There's a sweet spot yeah. of you know pain you, you can inflict on an end user when they're <laughs> working um, and... It's it's a very fine line, and you yeah. can't cross it. Um, yeah but I think if, if you can just minimally ask for what it is you need to do and then rely on some of the automation that's in Office 365 that, that's a good place to be in so auto-classify if you can have those overarching policies yeah. if you can uh, just to kind of mitigate the risk a little bit mm-hmm. in case the end user doesn't know how to label their document or they forget and they attach it in an email that's being sh- shared externally uh, and and they, um, you know, end up potentially sharing something that they shouldn't have. How can we? How can we prevent that from happening?
0: Yeah, um, yeah. And so, I guess you know, with the future of where this is all going, is it just new about documents? Like, can you see this going down to conversations? I'm assuming emails is, is something that can be AIP protected as uh, well. Emails as well. Yeah. As
1: well yes. Um, Conversations. I, I think that conversations are included in. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I can't promise that on, on where conversations like in Teams fall in the retention. Yeah, uh, certainly not an AIP, but on the retention side, uh, I'm not. Sure, where they fall. I think that's um, depends on uh, the ver- the type of exchange that you have in your environment. It probably gets complex on what what are all of the different pieces right. you have Because I know they like
0: they're definitely covered by e discovery, but in terms of like how it would even work out I guess it could do the conversation threading teams but mm-hmm. it'd be quite complicated like do we really want to get to the level of labelling and conversations to essentially right. cover our asses so that right. if something needs to be stored for five years that that conversation is tracked or whether it be like at the next level up and just say, you know what, everything that's being talked about in this team is going to be, or this channel is going to automatically have this retention.
1: Right. Um, And I suppose that's where um, group classifications come in. Oh, Um, so there is
0: that. Okay. Yeah. So
1: um, decide what you're going to use a team for. And if if it is a highly confidential project, uh, you know, mark, have a classification Mm -hmm. in your organization to make it that way. And then, you know, some... Possibly you can put some protection controls on that content. Yeah. So there's many different ways right, you can come at this problem. Yeah, and I guess
0: that's the thing with this whole notion of... Um I guess provisioning groups and not thinking about those things, or even as an end user, like there's five groups here. Like I, this is kind of content I feel is sensitive, so yeah. I, I need to move this conversation to this channel to have a yes. conversation rather than be in this one. Yes,
1: the uh, the wild west of every end user creating their own groups drives information management oh, I'm sure teams it does. absolutely crazy. <laughs> um, so, an organization I'm working in right now, they um, the user base has really pushed back on that, and. They they, they want to be able to provision their own. So we've come to a, a happy place in the middle yeah. where um, we will allow that to happen, but it triggers a back-end process for the information management team to meet with the owners of that new group and ask, w- what are you doing in here and what kind of content will be mm-hmm. stored in here, um, just so they can um, tell them how how they need to treat that data is it temporary um do you need to move it elsewhere when the group expires because group expiration is now coming in yeah, yeah um and so you you don't want that group being automatically deleted and all of its content within if it actually some of that content needs to be retained for other business reasons
0: yeah yeah, yeah it's um I guess it's a balance, right? Like on one side, it's... Very much so. Like, don't block me because I'll go spin up a Dropbox environment mm-hmm. or a Slack environment. And right, and that's hand, what you're risking right? if and, you
1: if you don't do it. And then on the
0: other hand, it's kind of like, we need this for the business not to be in a risk area where mm-hmm. it's going to get sued or yes. wherever it can't find the documents it needs to find to um, be able to protect its IP or right. protect its customers. Yeah. That's definitely interesting.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a challenging time we live in. So, How
0: did you jump from doing installs of farms (laughs) and upgrades and migrations to suddenly being like, what was it just a custom that you had that you're like, all right, I'm going to dig in here and this is a good niche for me to have, or is Canada just like
1: super paranoid (laughs) and all customers are like this? No. Um, When I was working in the on-prem world, I did a, a large migration where I did, um, a huge enterprise content management project, uh, lots of content types and um, information management policies. The traditional kinds of records management right. that you would do. Um, so I, I was in in that space, and I quite liked it. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked the structure of it, and and uh, you know the idea of how we can automate some of these file plans into SharePoint and then SharePoint Online came along and it just was a natural fit for me to get into that space again Uh, and I no longer had to patch SharePoint and (laughs) uh, I saw um,
0: someone tweeting the other day like please move to SharePoint Online I'm sick of uh, pushing CUs onto SharePoint. Yeah
1: that was not fun. Um, So I I like um, the technical aspect of, of the job as well. So I, I think a, a good fit was to get into some of the security and compliance
0: yeah, features. So
1: that, that's how I got into yeah, that space. No, it's a
0: perfect storm right now with GDPR and yes. everything else there. Yes. Speaking a-
1: of GDPR, <clears throat> there is a, a new um, sensitive information type I noticed for GDPR, oh, interesting. which is really good yeah. uh, to automatically detect content mm-hmm. you have out there.
0: Yeah, that's um a lot of people just think this is a Europe thing, but if you're mm-hmm. doing any business with anybody it, you're you know, you're at bound risk. by it, yes. So, um I guess it's gonna be interesting in May of this year. Mm-hmm. Um that's 2018, not long away. to um, see I guess who gets stung first? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> everyone's waiting. The fear waiting.
0: of every CIO going, please don't <laughs> let me be the, the company gets you set as the example for GDPR.
1: Yeah, it's it's serious. Yeah. Uh, it It's going to be an interesting six months coming up. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, And so... Uh, you've been blogging about this for a while, mm-hmm. and that's why I wanted to get you on the show because I'm like, no one else is talking about this stuff, and I can just, I love the journey that people go on with blogging around particular areas and like carving their niche. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, John Liu was is talking to him this morning on Microsoft Flow, and um, you know, just seeing him tweet about the stuff over time, and um, you can learn a lot based on like the little hurdles they bump into or the, the limitations or some really kind of quick wins they have. And I mm-hmm. really appreciate all your work you've done
1: oh, thank around you. all
0: that. What's your blog? How can people follow you around that space?
1: Um, my blog is my name yep. with my middle initial, com, And my focus on my blog... Uh, Um, Similar to my background in SharePoint, uh, I cover a few things. Primarily, a lot of information management, data protection, uh, because that's what I'm working in day to day. And and what I, the value I'm trying to bring is, you know, when when I discover something that "Mm, this is what I suspect would be a common business scenario that other organizations could probably you know, benefit from our my experience on. I'll blog about it yeah, yeah. because it's it's one thing to read, um, you know, the the docs.microsoft.com and what they say about mm-hmm. Azure Information Protection, but sometimes people just want how would you actually do this? And yeah. what's a use case for this? And it might not be exactly what they are wanting, but it sometimes helps them get to the next stage. So yeah. that's my focus.
0: Yeah, no, it's been great. I, I'm not knocking the docs. The docs, I mean, if you go back when I was working at Microsoft, the dev docs got so much better when the team kind of really kicked into gear and went from producing pages that said, you know, API title, this is the title, ID this is the ID mm. to actually kind of explaining <laughs> yeah. what the things were Yeah. Um, and I haven't looked at the docs in that space but um, even from the amount of links you have in your blog post around them I'm assuming that they must be They're really very good, strong, yeah. they
1: are very good, yes
0: um, and, and Microsoft knows this is a differentiating area for them um, the announcements uh, beginning of this week, uh, the tech summit in uh, DC with the government cloud and um, some of the things they're doing there to kind of really go against some of the competitors in this space Mm -hmm. you know the compliance and angle and the e-discovery angles here is is just such a major thing for microsoft to be in front of and kind of own that they have data centers all over the world um, to get around a lot of the sovereignty issues and yes. things like that is really really neat.
1: Yeah, it is. I, we need to get more people in the space to understand it. Yeah, um, yeah. So we should start. But well, you the can just kind of, of
0: like her. wave the flag and jump around with a marching band or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, it. It. I, I'm sure if we had a um, security and compliance Saturday instead of a SharePoint <laughs> oh Saturday. Uh, yeah, as the closer to GDPR that GDPR comes. Uh, yeah, we'd get a good turnout. We'd
0: have a lot of people in cardigans and sandals. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the records managers listening to this.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of a stereotype there. I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's the same with
0: developers. Hoodies yeah. and jeans yeah. every day. Yeah. Um. And so, C. Klein. You're not Calvin Klein's long lost relative <laughs> no, or anything.
1: No, last name spelled the same, but no, it's. Uh, it's a strange middle name. Sid is my middle name. C Y D. No joke. Yes, huh. Never it's ne- a it feminine form of my grandfather's name. That's pretty. Yeah, thank I you. Like it. Thank you. Uh,
0: just going through all this myself with having a daughter like eight and a half months ago now. Okay. And like just. Didn't really recognize the importance of a name until you have to kind of make one up for Yeah, your, it's it's your a big kids. deal. <laughs> so we were like, no, we can't use that. That's terrible. And, yeah, so.
1: I know someone that I don't like. <laughs> yeah, or, right. yeah.
0: So uh, no, that's pretty. Yeah,
1: thank and so
0: you. your Twitter handle is?
1: Yeah, my Twitter handle is also Joanne C. Klein. Cool. Um, And I told you my blog. uh, And you can also find me on LinkedIn, Joanne Klein.
0: Yeah. And then um, you speak at a fair few conferences, I've noticed.
1: Yeah.
0: um, Where will people see you next?
1: I try to speak at um, SharePoint Saturday events or Office 365 um, Saturday events that are in my region mostly, which would be Western Canada. Well, all of Canada Mm -hmm. um, and some northern United States. Um, I speak at. As well, um, SharePoint Fest is a conference I usually try to attend. Yeah. There's one coming up in a couple of weeks, SharePoint Fest DC, which I won't be at, uh, but I typically speak there. And I've gone overseas to Europe. at a,
0: Yeah, um, I saw that actually. That was, they do a places. good crowd pulling all the European.
1: Yeah, so um, that was my first time to Europe. So, oh, I was? Yeah, I've seen um, uh, Belgium and... Uh, we're also uh, Sweden yeah uh, yeah no I've, I've seen some great places yeah, it's
0: nice it's nice to get back to Europe I haven't been back to London in a while it's originally where I'm from so oh, okay um, I try and get over there as much as I can for events but obviously having a kid now makes that a little bit harder yes, yes. and it's been funny this week actually um, obviously not being an MVP but um, catching up with people at the public events that are going on just to say hi and having to duck away at Eight thirty, nine o'clock to get home to put Skull to bed. <laughs> Times are changing. Yeah. And the, the people are like, uh huh. This is what we've had <laughs> to be like for not five the four years. Yes. That's right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's been good to catch up with everyone and say hi. Yeah, it's been
1: a great week, I think.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, look, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I will make sure your um, links and your Twitter handles and stuff are on the show notes. And um, I will definitely do this again, and you can give me like, a full update on how IAP has kind of jumped even more ahead in a in year's time.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. No, you're really welcome. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Okay. bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the Hypefish Podcast. Please go to iTunes and subscribe or to whatever podcast player you use. Please, please, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps us with our ratings. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Hyperfish.